Welcome to the Choosing Hope podcast. My name is Munira Pramji and I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where you will meet some extraordinary people who have faced adversity and have overcome it. And they're here to tell you how they did this and what they've learned. We will explore themes like hope, community, and self-care. Topics that I cover in my book, Choosing Hope, One Woman, Three Cancers. If you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hello, please connect with me through Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Marsha Moran is a marketing guru, a speaker, an entrepreneur, a fighter, a survivor, and the author of a book called Stroke Forward. She is joining us virtually all the way from Virginia. And today we will unpack her remarkable story when her life came crashing down on March 30th, 2014. Marcia had a stroke and she was only 52 or 53. Welcome to the show, Marcia. I am so excited to have this conversation with you because your story is one of resilience, of courage, of inspiration. Thank you, Manira. It's wonderful to be here. So tell us about your life before the stroke, Marcia. What did you do? Who was Marcia before the stroke? So I like to think about just living a normal life. So I had a business and I had a husband. I had two cats and six birds. <laughs> but really, I just got up every day and went around my life and not really thinking about much, except it was nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And in terms of the work that you did, you were truly a, a marketing guru and you worked with a lot of clients. Tell us a little bit about that kind of work. So I, um, so I worked with clients who wanted to change the perspective of the people who did business with them. So I went in and I talked about what they really did, who they really were, and refocused the marketing campaign about that. Wow. And then you opened up your own business. Yep. Yes, I did. That was the uh, one that I reconfigured people's images. Sounds like a really exciting, exciting role. I understand you did lots and lots of business plans for lots of organizations. Yes, I did. I did over 50 business plans in two and a half years. And I have to say that was really exciting because someone comes in with a business plan concept and you kind of tweak it and it turns out a little bit different than they thought. But that's really exciting because I wanted to give them something that they could take to the bank and go, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to survive. And they did. Wow. Okay. So you're in your business. You're successful. You've got a great life. And then March 30th, 2014 happened. On that day, you were supposed to have coffee with your friend Rochelle. Tell us what happened on that day. Take us back to that time. Okay. So it's morning and I woke up and I felt weird. So I picked up my phone and I texted Rochelle to tell her that it would make it for breakfast. And 
I couldn't read what I wrote. Hmm. It just looked weird. So I put my phone down, I rolled over, and bam, the most incredible headache happened. Mm -hmm. And despite the pain, I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Did you think anything of it at the time? Or no. was like, this is just, I'm not feeling so good today. I was thinking, I'm just not feeling so good today, mm -hmm. right? So when I woke up the next time, I knew something was wrong because I was paralyzed on the right-hand side. Wow, just like that. Just like that. And I knew that if I didn't get up, I would probably give up. And that is not an option for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. if you know me. So mm -hmm. I rolled out of bed. And I dragged myself across the carpet <laughs> and got to the door and tried to open it. And I was kind of laid down on the floor because I, of my stroke. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, but I finally managed to sneak it open. Mm -hmm. And I was tired, so I took a break. And later I dragged myself down the hallway and I ran out of gas. So I just, I, I had nothing else to do. So I thought, well, at least my husband is downstairs. He's so going to reach your husband is what you were trying to do. Exactly. You're still on the carpet and you're still um, trying to inch your way toward him. Exactly. Okay. And Something went crash. I don't know what it was, but he came upstairs and he saw me and said, Marsha, are you okay? I tried answering him and nothing came out. So he said, Marsha, can you talk to me? And I said, there was nothing. So he called 911. He walked around the upstairs to see if he could find anything, which he didn't. And then he came back and waited for the ambulance with me. And you literally could not speak the words because the words were not coming out. Exactly. I couldn't utter a word. And I didn't know what was wrong. Now, the paramedics came. And the first one through the door said, when did she have her stroke? And that was the first time my husband or I even thought of the word. Hmm. Because it was so unexpected. So, uh, Marcia, pre, pre the stroke, um, you led a really healthy life. Yeah. So I ran three or four times a week. I really considered how much I ate. And so I was thin. I had normal cholesterol. I don't know what it was that gave me the stroke. So the stroke was the furthest thing in your mind. Yeah, had no idea. So now you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And in the hospital, one of the things that they keep asking your husband is, when did she have the stroke? And they were really trying to figure out because there is something you write about in your book that there's a three hour, time period within a stroke that's really important to know. So tell us about that. So it's actually in our house before they loaded me into the ambulance and it's 
tissue plasminogen activator or TPA. And essentially, if they give you this, I think it's a hormone, it goes in and it busts up the clot. And so you have um, probably something moving then at that time. Um, but since I had been, well, they had no idea when I had my stroke. So they didn't give me any TPA. And that worked in my favor because if they'd given it to me, I would have had a second bleed. Okay, so that's why the three hours is so critical. But you could not ascertain, neither could your husband, whether right. the stroke happened within the three hours. Yeah. How, how scary that decision must have been. You know, do they give you the TPA? Don't they give you the TPA? Could it save your life, literally, or could it make it worse? But in your case, it worked in your favor because the stroke likely right. happened more than three hours before. So a lot of times they think of strokes that happen during one's sleep as being outside the window because they have no idea of when it started. Okay. So that's why they decided not to give me any TPA. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I have to tell you um, from a place of vulnerability, I don't know anything about strokes. And um, as I was reading your stuff, um, I realized that strokes come in, in different shapes and, and sizes and, and uh, severity. So tell us about the stroke that you had. What were okay. you diagnosed with? So mine was a carotid artery dissection, which means that it forms in your carotid artery. And then it breaks a piece of blood clot, which came up into my brain and gave me my stroke. And only one to 2% of stroke survivors have uh, carotid artery dissection. I think that is really important because 80% of strokes could actually be prevented if the person had a different diet, didn't smoke, didn't drink much, that sort of thing. But mine was spontaneous. There was no way of preventing it. Hmm. All right. So my understanding is that it was the left hemisphere, yep. um, right side paralysis from your toes all the way to your face. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there was a specific diagnosis of something called aphasia. <laughs> Tell us about aphasia. So aphasia is a communication disorder. So the person's intellect is totally intact, right? They can't speak though. And so my aphasia was from Broca's area. And so I could hear everything that people were saying, but I couldn't speak, not a word. Now I became better. I could speak two or three words in the hospital, in the rehab hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but it took a long time because I sometimes couldn't even think of what I wanted to say because I had the idea in my mind, but I couldn't say it. So I tried to think of something different that would kind of be similar. So it was like two people were in my head talking. Oh God, okay. <laughs> So what I wanted to say and what I could say, kind of. Um, and I got a little bit better, but I think 
So the American Aphasia Association says that if you have aphasia for more than three months, you probably have it for life. And that's not what I wanted. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I started looking for something to get me through it. Mm-hmm. So at two years out, I started seeing a doctor for laser therapy. And he, I went and asked him if it would help. And he said, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But we can try it. And if it works, you'll know. And we'll continue. If it doesn't work. We won't. Okay. So I went in and he put me on um, a table and he said, now I want you to do the cross crawl. (laughs) What's a cross crawl? Okay. So that's where your right arm and left leg come up, right? And then you switch them up. So your, your arms are going over your head. And I thought, well, this is really weird but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) That night I could speak a little bit better. Hmm. So I continued. So the important thing about laser therapy for me is that if people are treated after a brain injury, they have a 25% greater chance of getting, actually it's not Alzheimer's. They can't get Alzheimer's. And I don't really want Alzheimer's. My grandmother had dementia or Alzheimer's. I know how bad it can be. Mm -hmm. So I go back every four to six weeks for this treatment because it can maybe relate that you can keep the Alzheimer's away. So I, I still do that. Okay. But I went to him for laser treatment and I noticed that I didn't get all the way better. I was 40 to 50% better. Okay. So, so I was looking for something else. And at three and a half years after the stroke, I discovered neurofeedback. And this is really important. Mm-hmm. So I asked the doctor who told me about neurofeedback, what it would do. And he said, go to this website and it'll tell you. So I went home. I looked it up and it retreats ADHD, dementia, stroke, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I saw on there that 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors who tried neurofeedback got better. Wow. Right. So what is neurofeedback? So when you, did you decide to then pursue (laughs) that course? Of course. Okay. So neurofeedback is a small device about the size of a couple smartphones. Okay. And I will tell you that they say they can't tell you exactly how it works. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So when I went in, he put uh, five leads on my head, two positives, two negatives, and a ground. And it felt like cat spit. (laughs) So that was the way they grounded it to my head so kind of like a gel yes gel to, to wet okay okay sticky yucky gritty. yeah yuck so he, he turned this device on and i could see my brain waves going across the monitor 
but I couldn't feel anything. I went, huh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Right. So I went home that day and I went, you know, I'm talking better. After one treatment. After one treatment, I'm talking better. I went, this is looking good. So I had 16 treatments. Okay. And I'm going to say that the two voices in my head converged to one. Oh my goodness, Marcia. Yeah. So you were thinking a lot clearer. Yeah. You were able to speak better. Yeah. I was cumulatively, you were getting better every week. And was it every week that you went for treatment or? So I went a couple times a week. Okay. So it was a very short time when I could actually say what was on my mind. That's remarkable. And you said that this was uh, a couple of years after your stroke. Three and a half years after I had my stroke. Okay. Which is a miracle. It really is a miracle. Um, so this is something you really came upon um, spontaneously. This was not something that was recommended to you by a doctor to say, you got to try neurofeedback. Yeah, so a doctor that I was already seeing brought neurofeedback into his practice. And because he brought it in, he said, hey, you should try this. If he hadn't brought it in, I don't know if I'd ever learned about neurofeedback. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I'm so curious as to whether uh, it is part of uh, a treatment for somebody with brain injury now, if it's a standard uh, practice. I don't believe it is. So everyone that I talk to who's had a stroke doesn't know about it. So you were incredibly lucky that that you just happened to be, and it was a chiropractor, right? Yes. told you about uh, neurofeedback. Yes. And, and, And remarkable, remarkable improvement. I think it's a miracle. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Um, Marcia, what was it like when you were at your worst with the stroke? I don't know how to respond to this because I was, I couldn't walk for a while. Mm -hmm. Now I did walk early on for some people, but you're lying there in a bed and you don't know, am I going to get up? Am I going to have a life? Am I, you know, you don't know. Um, Then there's the aphasia. Would I actually talk again? So I was on a couple interviews, had the phone to my ear. They asked me a question. I opened my mouth and I could say nothing, Hmm. right? I could say nothing. So I, I guess... I guess for me, the hardest part is aphasia, Mm -hmm. you know, because here I was on the phone trying to get a job and there's no way Mm -hmm. they, yeah, they couldn't hire someone because they couldn't have any inkling of how well I would do. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like, particularly given your, your career pre-stroke, yeah. where, where your work would have relied so much on speech. Yeah. 
it was devastating. And where are you at today in your journey? Well, clearly I can speak. Yes. <laughs> Incredibly well. <laughs> so I actually just started a class where I'm going to be a life and health coach. And I think I want to be one that helps stroke survivors because they need help understanding that you can become much better than you think. I would never have guessed that I would be so far along. Yeah, your story is truly one that is miraculous. Yeah. And um, then you wrote a book uh, yes. about your journey and your book is called Stroke Forward. Mm -hmm. Great name, great uh, title, great picture on the cover, Stroke Forward. Um, I understand that this was a long process for you, partly because of your stroke, writing the book. Yeah. So when I sat down to write, I could write two paragraphs a day because it wasn't only I couldn't necessarily think of the word, right? So it took me a long time to finally get to the word I wanted. But then I had to type it and my right side didn't type well at all. So I was deleting and then retyping and deleting and retyping. So it took me all day to type two sentences. Oh my goodness. So I got done with the book and I read it and I went, oh, this is terrible. No one will ever read this. <laughs> what was terrible about it? It had no emotion in it. Mm. None. So even I knew that I wouldn't read it. So I put it away. And it waited for about six months and I pulled it out again and I rewrote it and it was better. But when I started talking about my family, there was no emotion again. So I put it away and I pulled it out again. And the third time I rewrote it, it was essentially what you see now. Wow. You know, Marsha, um, this brings back memories of my book. Um, it's called Choosing Hope. And uh, it was about my journey with uh, cancer. And the first time I wrote it, I shared it with uh, my husband and my two kids. And uh, my son in particular said, this has so much potential, but it is terrible. Yeah. That's because there was no emotion or I had glossed over because I'd already processed what had happened to me. And um, my family challenged me to go back and really think about what was going on in my life at the time and describe that. And it took me another year to rewrite it, just, just like you, you know, yeah. just me another year to rewrite it. And the final product is one that I was just so proud of. Yeah, so you have to be vulnerable in the book or else there's no point in writing it. Hmm. And, the, no. yeah. and the vulnerability so the first time I actually don't know if I felt that much. So when I was recovering, so we were driving up to the lake house for Christmas and it used to be, I'd get really excited when we got towards the lake. And I realized that I had no emotion or very little emotion. 
So it could be a while before you are feeling all those emotions. Now, I think you have them, but I think maybe they're suppressed. Mm-hmm. To, to protect yourself, really. Yeah, 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 I think so. I totally get that. Um, and you have since also started uh, Stroke Forward because you, you want to share hope for individuals uh, who are going through uh, the stroke journey as well as their caregivers. Tell us about Stroke Forward. What is it? Well, I started it because it's the name of my book. Yes. (laughs) So I created a website around it. It's mostly now commenting about the book or it's got some blogs, posts on it. Um, But eventually it'll have some coaching tips. I think it's Stroke Forward is much more than just the book, but it's in its infancy. (laughs) I see. So you hope to align that with your new uh, career, which is being a career coach and helping people with uh, stroke. Okay. Okay. So this is a really exciting time for you. I mean, it's, it's about what will emerge for you through this process. Exactly. And I think what's really going to happen is, although I'm going to coach people, I'm probably going to be the one who gains the most understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that 80% of strokes are preventable. Yep. How does one reduce one's chances of getting a stroke? So they should really look at their diet. Okay. Are, there, are they eating, I'm going to say, more correctly? So are they eating fast food? I think fast food, fast food is a no-no, and I never ate it. Um, are they eating a lot of red meat? If they do, maybe they should consider alternatives. Um, Maybe they should consider being vegan. Because vegan, I've learned over time, over the last seven years, (laughs) is a great opportunity for being well. They should not smoke. They should drink less if they drink. So... The doctor says you can have a glass of wine a day. Don't drink more than a glass of wine a day if you drink at all. So just some very simple things you should exercise. Mm -hmm. So you should, and it doesn't have to be a hard exercise. You could just go walking. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's really important to be moving. Mm -hmm. Because our bodies were made to move. Right. And, and, For the stroke survivor, that can be kind of heavy, thinking that they have to get up and move, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just find the the statistics uh, really incredible that 80% of strokes are preventable if we just uh, looked at our diet and moved more and just took commonsensical approach to, to life. Yeah. But if you look at the people around you, we have 
a society that has gotten so large that we are the first generation that will outlive our children. That's what they say. Huh, I hadn't heard that before. Yep. So I think we have to take a, a close look at how we eat, how we exercise and decide, do we really want to outlive our children? Hmm. Well, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's uh, qu quite the daunting statistic. Yeah, it, it is. Marcia, uh, you have a mantra, which is never give up. How, how did that help you in your recovery? So I actually got up and did my exercises every single day. Did I want to? No, not every day. <laughs> But I made myself because neuroplasticity means that you have a groove that you put in your brain by doing things over and over and over and over. And if you stop the neuroplasticity, that groove starts to go away. So if you stop one day, okay, that's fine. If you stop two days, you're done. So I decided I would not stop ever. Hmm. And I am grateful because I was able to get my, I mean, I can go up my arms. Um, I have my mobility back 100%. Um, well, it looks like it's 100%. To be honest, I still have muscle cramps <laughs> mm -hmm. every day, but it looks okay. <laughs> wow. Talk, talk to me about grit and resilience. You know, what is it? Um, what is it about grit and resilience? And I know you love the word grit. Um, I do. Talk to me about the, the importance of that when you're facing challenges. So if you have grit, you decide you're going to get up. So I decided when I was in bed that first day, I'm going to get up and find help. When you're lying in bed and you have to get up to exercise, I was deciding, okay, you're going to get up and exercise. Did it hurt? Yes. Did I want to? Not all the time. But I still decided that it was better to get up and do the exercises and feel the pain than to lay in bed. Do I know where it's from? Um, not really. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that you can get grittier than you were. Mm -hmm. I think that I am grittier than I was because if I thought about going through the stroke and everything that it took to get back, quote unquote, to normal, and I'm about 95%, I don't think I would have believed I'd ever do it pre-stroke. Okay. But during the stroke and after you're thinking, what have I got? I've only got tomorrow and tomorrow is going to be better if I do this. If I'm going to have it tomorrow. And if I don't do this, then I'm going to slide back. I can't 
I can't imagine a life of sliding back. Hmm. And so uh, what I'm hearing from you is this grit, this resilience uh, was really coupled with discipline, perseverance, um, talking to yourself about not wanting to slide back. There's all these different elements that, that came yeah. together for you. Yeah. Yeah. At one point uh, in our conversation, you talked about uh, gratitude. Tell me about gratitude and what that means to you. So I had a gratitude journal. Mm. And at the end of every day, I wrote down, well, okay, I can't write that well. And you probably can't see what I wrote. Well, you can see it, but you can't read it. But I wrote down three things that I was grateful for. And they could be small things like the sun came up today and it's shown in my window. Okay. But I think that you have to be grateful for the things that you have left. You have to be grateful for those things around you that you don't really think about. And I think that a lot of people have more things than they actually need. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> well, since my stroke, we have cleared the house out some. <laughs> okay, all right. Right, because we have stuff that we actually didn't use. Right. Yeah. Right. I went through a similar experience, Martian. I don't know what it is that happens to our brain, but when we go through something significant like this, I also wanted to create a, a minimalist mm -hmm. environment and, and really focus on things that brought me joy. Yeah. 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 So what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful to be talking to you. Oh, Marsha. <laughs> no, it's true. So I'm grateful again. Um, I woke up. That's important to me. Um, I hugged my husband. That's important to me. I look out and although it's raining here, I can still see the trees budding. We have one out there that's blooming. I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm just grateful. It sounds like it's a state of being for you now. I think it is. Place of gratitude. Yeah. So let's talk about your husband for a bit, because in your book, um, you talk a lot about um, advocacy and your husband has been your primary caregiver and advocate. Yep. Tell us why advocacy is important. So think about the stroke survivor lying in the hospital, not being able to do anything. And the doctors and nurses are talking about what they're going to do. You have to have somebody there to talk, for, talk about you, to them about what you want. So if I didn't have an advocate and there wouldn't be anyone speaking for me, they would do whatever they thought was best. But what they think is best and what I think is best may not be the same thing. How did you communicate with your husband about what was best for you? I didn't, I didn't. He just, so we'd been married for uh, 26 years and he knew me pretty well. 
So he tried to take what he knew and communicated to the doctors. What the times when you said, no, that's not what I want. So I actually thought what he said was pretty right on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess the benefits of being married for 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, one um, thing that you say in your book that really resonated for me is you say, many people look at a stroke as a terrible thing. I don't. Yes, it changed my life. It has been a challenge to recover from the stroke that assaulted my brain and body. It has also given me a sense of belonging that I never believed was possible. What is this belonging that you talk about? So when you get up and look around at your friends, what do you see? I went through my stroke. My friends are all here with me now. Hmm. Even after the stroke, they're all around me. After the stroke, I look at people that I don't know differently. I look at them with, I, I, I guess it's gratitude. And if I meet somebody on the street, I treat them with kindness now. I have a completely different set of, not values, but the way I treat people is very different from before. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and you feel like that brings you closer, a sense of belonging with the world, yeah. with yeah. the community, with the universe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I know you've talked about gratitude. Uh, upon reflection, what would you say have been some gifts of going through this journey? Um, how has stroke um, changed uh, the way that you, you think about life? Okay. So life is very short. Yes. <laughs> I, you know I that we all live on borrowed time, don't we? We do. So I think about the days before the stroke, I was focused on my career. Now, after my stroke, I'm focused on my husband, my family, my friends, the community. And my career comes in here, but it was, it's probably five or six rather than number one. And I look at if someone wants to do something that's important to them, I will be with them. I don't argue with them about, no, I don't want to do this. I just, because it's important to them. So how do you get community? It's by being there. By being present. By being present. I think you make a fantastic coach. <laughs> well, thank you. Marcia, any, any last uh, words of advice for our listeners today that we haven't covered? So there's two pieces of advice. One is for caregivers. Mm. 
caregivers, first of all, thank you so much because without you, the stroke survivor would be in a different place. And you are important because around the right person, your stroke survivor will grow. Hmm. So you need to be, you need to get enough sleep. You need to eat right. You need exercise. And then your stroke survivor will be very happy because you're there for the long term. Hmm. For stroke. I I keep um, thinking about caregivers as being the true heroes of the journey because they're alongside you. They don't get any of the attention. Um, They don't know always what you need. Um, They feel so helpless. It is so important what you just said about them and self-care. So if you don't know what you should do, just being in the room with them. Mm -hmm. So they understand that you don't know Mm -hmm. what you offer. Mm but just being in the room, at least for me, was enough. The thing I wanna take uh, tell stroke survivors is that never give up ever. So day by day by day, even though sometimes it's hard, you have to do it everything, every single day, whether it's speech exercises, physical therapy, occupational therapy, whatever it is that you have to do, just do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Okay. Those are great advices. Um, I want to recommend your book to anybody who's gone through any brain injury. Um, I I love the different perspectives in the book. Um, And I think it's a really fantastic uh, first read uh, on experiences, what to do, uh, practical, practical stuff. So uh, thank you for being so generous in writing that book <laughs> when it really was an, a labor of love for you. And, and it was a true labor, but you birthed it, <laughs> which is remarkable. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you um, or wanted to purchase your book, uh, where can they uh, get that, Marcia? How do they get in touch with you? They can go to Amazon and type in stroke forward and buy the book. To get in touch with me, they can go to www.strokeforward.com. And I'll make sure to put that in the, in the voice notes. Um, your book, um, I, I love how you donate a percentage of the sales for brain injury. Is that correct? Yep. So every uh, every sale counts. Okay. Well, I think that's a compelling reason for for uh, our listeners to purchase your book, Stroke Forward. It's a, a compelling read. That that story that you tell right at the beginning of the book about how you got out of bed, got on the floor, on the carpet to reach your husband. I mean, that just gave me goosebumps. That, that yeah. story by itself was, I cried when I, when I read that piece. It was really incredible. It was, you, you, you brought us all there with you on that fateful day. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that it is 
a piece of my life I can't forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that. It has been such a joy, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Marcia. Thank you again for your generosity in birthing the book. Thank you for your generosity with this information. I am completely interested now in learning more about biofeedback and, uh, you know, something that I will certainly be doing some research on. And um, I'm hoping that our listeners will, will have found something of tremendous value from um, this conversation. So thank you again. And I wish you all the very best. I don't even know where your path's going to take you, but I know that with your grit, with your determination, you're going to go places, woman. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, Marsha. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you have enjoyed today's show, click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Share the podcast with others. And if you want to help this podcast grow, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so more listeners tune into it. It really helps. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. How will you choose hope today?